Hello, church family. This is chapter, or chapter, Esther chapter 9, part 4. Uh, we're ending uh, our little devo for this chapter. Um, you'll recall that we're just going to walk through different types of questions of application. Um, the first question we have is, what, why do we do what we do in church? And again, this is kind of one of the principles that we draw from this, because in chapter 9, the institution of Purim, is instituted, and uh, the Purim was designed for them to remember uh, how they were saved by Esther and Mordecai, and uh, Jews kept this tradition, kept this holiday from Esther all the way to the present day, and every time, things change in terms of like how they go about it, but the general principle is still there. The general holiday is still there. It's basically uh, they reenact this so that people know that the Jews are spared because of um, deliverance. And, uh, and I also did mention how it is interesting that of all the things that they kept, all the traditions that they kept, this is one of the ones that was man-made that they keep fervently, whereas the things that are of the Lord, um, they do it in different ways and, and not really according to scripture. So that's the first question. Why do we do what we do? Uh, we do what we do is because we do things to remember. And I talk about baptism, communion, and even things like church discipline as a way for us to remember things that's happened in the past. Uh, then the second question is, how do we discern God's will if God is sovereign? And I walk through uh, several principles. I think I walk through eight principles. And <laughs> I, I contrast this with the way that Esther, the people in Esther did, uh, during the time of Esther, they didn't seek God's word. Rather, they were casting lots, they were fasting, they were scheming, they were doing all these different edicts, but they weren't actually going to the word of God. And um, and the principles that I tried to draw out were, were from the scriptures, that we uh, make decisions based on the application of principles that are revealed in scripture. So I talk about how we need to be saved, sanctified, spirit-filled, suffering, saying thanks, submission, uh sharing Christ. And then once you have those principles down, then you can do whatever you like. And how and if you are you know walking in the Lord, then yeah, anything that you do would be pleasing to the Lord. Um, it will know what's the will of God in hindsight. Then yesterday we talked about um, does God play dice with the universe? And we talked about this one uh scene where uh, in, all the way back in chapter uh, three, where uh, Haman was just casting lots randomly, and for 12 months, God sovereignly um, made the dice roll um, so that it would not be on uh, any earlier date, but it had to be a year from now. And that was sovereignly placed so that by the time we got to we got to chapter eight and nine of Esther, um, the it gave uh, the second edict gave more time. It had to play catch up with the first edict, so that by the time one year later. Uh, none of the people in Susa or all of Persia would want to kill the Jews because the Jews would have been prepared. Uh, these two laws would have operated simultaneously, and uh, the first people who obeyed the first law would be scared to act on it because of the second edict that was placed. And we said how God is sovereign over that. Uh, it just seemed like this little passing detail, but it was needed so that we can see that God knew exactly what needed to be done so that all of the things with Queen Esther happened and, and the Jews would be spared. Not one Jew died during this entire event. It was all because God uh, doesn't play dice with the universe. Uh, he rolls the dice and he sets uh, how, where the dice lands. Um, that's, and we've been drew some principle from Proverbs 16, I believe. 
um, now we're going to look at one last uh, question for us to for us to think in terms of application is how are you holding the line? Um, you remember in Purim, Purim was was passed down from one generation down to the other. If you, now you have to think of this in history. So the Jews, this wasn't the last time the Jews were persecuted. Uh, there were multiple other series in, in in history where Jews were were persecuted, namely things like the Holocaust, right? These things uh, throughout history, the Jews were the most persecuted people. Somehow they're still alive. And if there's one thing. Actually, Martin Luther, someone asked Martin Luther this question, how do you know that the Bible is true? And he just responded by simply saying, the Jews. The existence of the Jews now is a testimony of God's faithfulness to them. And Purim is one of those uh, things that they kept. Uh, the Jews kept this um, in their uh, tradition, and they kept doing it over and over again to remember how God's, uh, well, no, well, they don't acknowledge God, but basically how the Jews survived. And the Jews kept passing this down, and it was just, uh, and they, and this is a tradition that they passed down. And it's based on temporal salvation, right? You know, this is just a, a temporal type of salvation, and it's convicting. You think about how much more should we pass down what we know, because what we have in the gospel is eternal salvation. Um, you know, Deuteronomy six. This is a the great Shema. It's something if you're a parent or if you want to be a parent, um, this is one of the things that you need to understand that you have to. Uh, train up your, uh, the, the next generation. And I know some of you guys may not ever become parents, but one of the ways in which you can fulfill Deuteronomy 6 is if you are actually uh, serving in like our lower divisions or, or our children's ministry. You're entrusting uh, what you know to a younger generation or high school or middle school, whatever it may be. Uh, you know things of God and you're teaching them to the future generation hopes that they can do the same. You're passing thing, these things on. And that's what we're, we're commanded to do. Second Timothy 2, 2 tells us that we need to entrust uh, well, all that we have to faithful men who can do entrust those to other faithful men as well. Um, Matthew 28, the great commission for us is to do just that. We are still here in the world with a particular purpose of winning people to Christ so that they can do the same. And, and the reality is that when it comes to evangelism, that the more you know about God, the more you love God. And the more you love God, the more you want to tell others about God. So if you go in reverse order, the, 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 the least you know about God, the, how little you know about God, is a reflection of how little you know, how, how little you love God. And if you don't love God, then you won't tell people about Him. Um, we are here, and we are here for this rescue mission, and we can't lose sight of this um, because the cross matters more than anything that this world has to has to offer. In fact, the cross offers something that uh, matters more than anything we can celebrate in this life. Um, we need to be people that pass on uh, the gospel. And I know we're still in shelter in place, um, but there's still people in your life. Now it's just a very focused group. Um, it's probably just the one or two friends you have. Those are the people that God has placed in your life, and you need to just go and evangelize them. Uh, for some of you, it's your siblings or, or your parents. Whatever it may be, uh, or even some of you guys might just be your neighbors, you know, like, um, I feel like when during this whole shelter in place, people are more, somewhat more open to talking to you. They'll keep their distance, but they're at least more open because they, they want to engage and interact with other people. You know, being at home for so long, it's hard, uh, not talking with other people. Uh, so the people are somewhat more open to just at least, uh, say hi to you. Built on those relationships, uh, try to, um, uh, just just acknowledge them that they exist so that 
you know, when the time comes where we can meet face-to-face, you can look back at this event and talk about it. You know, just be strategic where you're located. Um, there was a story that I heard regarding King George III when, uh, so in, in, Europe, in England, uh, there was a time where, uh, I mean, this is way before when, like, around the time where radio was first invented, but King George III would usually give these Christmas type of address, and this one particular time, I think they were at war or something, and uh, uh, the King George III needed to give an address to the people. And um, what he didn't realize, or what most people didn't realize at that time in just one Christmas address, um, one of the wires, one of the, one of the vital wires that connected Buckingham Palace to the world was, was severed. And um, there was no way for them to fix it at the time. There was It was like showtime in a matter of minutes, and there was a broken wire. And there's a story that claims that a man saw that this was happening, and before the message began, he grabbed both ends of the wire so that the electric current can get straight through and so that the message can be heard, um, so that the, the, the people in time of war, in time of sadness, can hear the voice of the king so that they can be assured, um, and so the message can get out to the people. This one individual laid down his life so that the people can hear the message of the king. Now I wonder if if someone is willing to do that for just a temporal worldly king that's going to pass away, then how much should we, when we're serving the king of kings, we should be willing to lay down our life so that others can hear the good news, so that others can hear the words of our king. Um, so ask yourself, how are you doing in terms of passing down the gospel or even supporting those that are doing the same? Um, all of us... Uh, or, you know, evangelism is not just for a specific group of people in the church. All of us are evangelists. All of us are missionaries. Um, we have this assignment here uh, to um, to win people to Christ. Um, so during this time, uh, pray fervently for those opportunities. Pray for the opportunity that the Lord will give you um, so that you can go and declare and, and give them the message of the King. Um, so that's the last question I would ask if uh, is how are you doing to the holding the line? How are you doing to the sharing the gospel with other people? And I hope that uh, these four questions uh, can get us think about uh, how we need to reevaluate our lives. Why do we do what we do at church? Um, we do it because it's supposed to make us remember things that God has done in the past. Um, how are we? Uh, how do we to make decisions in light of God's sovereignty? We need to know God's word, walk in obedience to God's word, and then just do whatever. Um, desire the Lord's place in our hearts, because uh, we're walking closely with the Lord. Everything that we do will be pleasing to the Lord. Um, does God play uh, uh, dice with the universe? No. And that should give us comfort, knowing that he is in absolute control over all things. In every single event, every single moment in our life, He give, he's, control, he's in control. So we can have absolute comfort knowing that. And how are we holding the line? Um, well, that's up to you. Like, how are you doing in this area? Are there people in your life that you're constantly praying for, um, that you're meeting with, whether it's online or whatever, uh, to just share the gospel that's been entrusted to you? Okay, that's Esther chapter 9. Uh, next week we will end and uh, look forward to uh, closing this chapter with or this book with you. And then we'll move on to something I think will be pretty fun uh, in the future. And then like a two or three weeks from now. Okay, have a blessed week. Thanks. Bye.